0: Welcome to Be Customer-Led, where we'll explore how leading experts in customer and employee experience are navigating organizations through their own journey to be customer-led and the actions and behaviors employees and businesses exhibit to get there. And now, your host, Bill Stakos.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Be Customer Led. I'm your host, Bill Stakos. I cannot tell you how fired up I am to have our guest on the show this week. Jenny Weber is an amazing individual and an amazing individual in the customer experience space, specifically. She is Senior Vice President for Design and Insights at a company called Best Buy. And for those of you under a small rock somewhere in a corner of the planet who don't know what Best Buy is, it is an amazing technology retailer, if I can, if that's the best way to describe you guys. Jenny. Yep, and totally. I have been a consumer number of times, great place to go buy electronics and super smart, intelligent people about the electronics there. Jenny, thanks for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have you here.
2: Thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind words about Best Buy too. I obviously, I'm obviously, i obviously a big fan <laughs> myself, so I appreciate hearing that.
1: It's a great experience. And clearly you guys are doing a lot of work to deliver that experience, not only online, but also in store as well, which is not easy to do. And I want to talk about that as well. But before we get started, we ask every guest on the show, Jenny, just, just what is your story? What is your journey? You know, what do you think were the differentiating factors in your career? Maybe even like, how did you get into, into design and insights to begin with?
2: Sure. Okay. I think some of the context to know about my career is a little bit about my life. So I will kind of start with that because I have more of a zigzag career versus like straight up a corporate ladder. (laughs) I was a really young mom and ultimately ended up being a single mom for a while. And that really shaped my career and how my perspective of work and what that Mm -hmm. all meant. And so it's just kind of like important context to understand where my head was at and what mm-hmm. I was thinking about. I started in sales. I was an insurance broker, uh, partly because my dad was in the insurance business. And so what do you know at 22? That's like right. you're really ready to make that decision, right? But that's where <laughs> I started.
1: I'm 48. And I'm, I not quickly, sure I'm ready
2: to make it. Right? <laughs> I quickly found that I did not like doing cold calls at all was not my thing, but I loved the people when I got in, Mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved hearing what was going on in their business and learning about them and understanding what their challenges were. So kind of knowing that I was like, okay, well, what is that? Like, what is that part of the job that I Mm -hmm. like? And it sort of landed me into marketing. And so I I moved into the marketing field and really have spent most of my career in marketing. But interestingly, not all in what I would call core marketing communications. I tended to end up in sort of complex, challenging, dynamic spaces where the experience itself wasn't necessarily always broken but like needed love like it was more about what are we going to go do to be effective before I start talking about it in marketing hmm. and to do that I had to understand the customer
1: sure
2: and understand like what what should this look like and I think that really shaped a lot of you know where I went in my career and ultimately I ended up you know coming over to Best Buy similar story like working in complex spaces. I worked in geek squad services. I worked in Mm -hmm. the mobile phone category, complex businesses where the experience truly matters. And that being in that kind of work gave me a lot of leverage because it required that I put the customer at the center of what I was doing. And I actually think the very best marketing does that really well and Mm -hmm. you can see it. And so, you know, I think that that was pivotal to my career and to the success that I, I've been able to have. And it's kind of what ended up leading me right into a customer experience leadership role at Best Buy. Because I think in a lot of ways I was doing CX and I was doing human centered design type Mm -hmm. work. I didn't have that language for it. Nobody would have called it that necessarily, but that's what I was doing. And so now I lead a team of digital designers, physical space designers, uh, researchers, and measurement team. Mm -hmm. And it's like a perfect combination of the things I love to do, what I'm really great at, and what the organization needs from me, the value Mm -hmm. that, that Best Buy really needs from me.
1: I think that it's awesome that you guys have brought together design insights and analytics. Not a lot of companies have the forethought, frankly, to do that. And it really has an impact on the experience because the designers could be sitting somewhere way over in another part of the organization. They're not close to their insights teams. I can't tell you how many teams I've talked to, you know, insight teams, analytics teams, I'm like, well, how often do you meet with the designers? And they're like, we don't meet with the designers. Why would we do that? I'm (laughs) like, because they need what you're selling pretty badly to to actually do the work. So good on you guys for bringing that together. I'm curious your perspective just you know, being in this role, coming out of marketing, I love that you came into sales too. That's so awesome. How do you think CX has evolved over the last say three to five years and how is kind of the role, even from a Best Buy perspective, if you can talk to it, maybe maybe we keep it at maybe a little more high level, but how do you see that work as evolved over the last couple of years?
2: You know, it's so much more, I'll use the word mainstream. Five years ago, we had pockets of incredibly talented designers, but they really were pockets, you know, in places doing sort of uh, unique work, maybe only in digital or a project here and there uh, where we wanted more strategic design thinking. Whereas today, and this was really intentional, today we have a collection of teams that are all together in kind of what we call like a center of excellence. We've mm-hmm. created a community of practice so like minded practitioners can work together, learn from one another. And in a lot of ways, that ended up elevating the practice here at Best Buy, which does a few things. One, it sort of gives a little bit of power and teeth to experience design and putting that customer experience at the heart of what we're doing. And then two, it's created much more awareness of what human-centered design is so that now you hear other leaders talk about it and, and talk about design principles that they might not that. have otherwise talked about five years ago yeah. for no other reason than they weren't aware. And so I think that's the big evolution that we've seen. And I don't think we're uncommon in that. I think that's a, a pretty common journey across industries.
1: I think that's uncommon, by the way, just a, when I yeah, when I look across, I, I, there are a lot of organizations, large and small, frankly, that are not bringing the vernacular and understanding the toolkit and the impact that it can have. I, th- I think you guys are, I'm going to say probably top twenty percent, if not higher, in terms of bringing these take the, the toolkit and the capabilities together the way that you guys have, and really driving the conversation. Not a lot of companies, even enterprise level like you guys, are there yet.
2: Well, it's exciting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Good on you guys. Yeah. Let's talk about some well, of the. Good. Cor- I'm
2: glad to hear we're maybe on the leading
1: edge. <laughs> no, no, for sure you guys are. I mean, and I, you know, in my role and kind of the work we do at Medallia, I get to see the full complement of, you know, just starting off to super advanced, right? Um, so, and that's a really exciting part of the role, being, yep. Able, yep. being able to have those conversations across the spectrum. Let's talk about the core tenets for you for CX, especially coming from a marketing and sales perspective. I don't know, maybe that shaped your philosophy and your thinking and the core tenets of customer experience. How do you, you know, what are those for you? Do you flex more than others? I mean, what, what are some of the kind of, you know, those primary, you know, first principle type things that you guys come back to from a CX perspective?
2: Well, that's interesting. I... I didn't grow up in design. So these might be more leadership tenants of mine, like my perspective on leadership. But, you know, even as I say that, I think they are really aligned with human-centered design principles or Mm -hmm. thinking about the customer. Mm -hmm. For me, it starts with people. It's people, people, people. It's like that is the core of it. And to me, that's a huge part of leadership. It's also how you're meeting your customer. It's making sure you're taking care of your employees, especially Mm -hmm. those that are working with customers every day. Mm -hmm. And I think when I say that the things I think of are caring about people, being really curious, like I want to know what's going on, like what's happening in your life, like what's what's cooking, what drives you, what motivates you, what do you care about? And so having like a high level of curiosity and then and really centering the work back to the human. And again, like to me, that's like a leadership thing, but also, yeah, yeah that's design. Like that's where it starts. You have to think about the humans that are involved. So I think I'd start there. The second one is, you know, sort of the KISS philosophy. Keep it simple, silly. I'm going to use yeah. silly. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that's all good. Um,
2: keep it clean for the kids. And the reason I say that is I I tend to think we overcomplicate things a lot. And if you think about, the industry you're in or you're measuring experiences, there's so much you can measure that you, you almost, it's like you get lost in the sea of what's out there. And that's true across all the things that we look at, including insights and macro and the complexity of our business. Like How do we boil it down and take some of that complexity out so that people can make actionable decisions. And again, Mm -hmm. I try to do that as a leader, but I also think like that's good design practice as well. Um, Make it simple, make it actionable for people to do something with. Uh, So I think, you know, those are some of the core, core elements that I think about. And again, I think both from a leadership perspective and a design perspective, really.
1: You know, the keep it simple, silly um, point is not lost on me. I feel like I always have this conversation with other leaders in this space that sometimes we can't get it out of our own way, out of our own jargon.
0: Totally. Like,
1: you know, if you think, and and just the acronyms that we use and and (laughs) just like, you know, I think we confuse the business and confuse ourselves sometimes as well. And I think that's something that I don't know when we're going to all get together from a customer experience perspective, but we need a kumbaya moment where we just say, here are the words we're all going to use. I was in a, con- just really quick example. I was in a, at a conference yesterday and someone asked me, what X are you? And I'm like, I don't <laughs> like, understand what? that question. I'm like, tell me a little bit more what you mean. And they're like, well, are you UX? Are you, you know, are you CX? Are you MRX? Are you BX? Are you PX? And I'm like, oh my gosh, are there that many Xs? Like that's just bananas. Yep. So I'm like, you know, I'm just customer experience. isn't that what we all do at the end of the day anyway? Yep. You know, anyway.
2: Or we but could uh, start calling it human experience. That way you would just kind of cover all the gamut.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, it is a funny example. I just, I feel like we talk about this stuff way too much and just, you just got to keep it simple for folks, especially if you're talking to a CEO or head of a business, they don't understand this stuff, they can care less. Like, how are you helping me achieve business outcomes through whatever toolkit and expertise you've got, right? Or Um, I think
2: even if they do understand it, there's so much complexity around that to make decisions, they need to know what they need to know. They don't mm -hmm. need the extraneous information.
1: That's right, 100% agree. Let's talk about technology, Jenny, and just, I mean, obviously it's a huge enabler in our space. Certainly the advent of artificial intelligence and machine learning has really changed yeah. the way you know we think about and understand and are able to act on you know feedback and insights and signals wherever you're getting them. You know tell us a little bit about how you know you think about technology not even I mean obviously even the design space right technology has had a, yeah. a profound impact. How how do you guys think about technology and is there any tech that you guys you all are really excited about uh, when you think about customer experience and whether that's for the team or for the business. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to learn more there.
2: Yeah. Well, we think about technology a lot because obviously that's the space that we play in. So we think about that for our customers every single day. Mm-hmm. A few things that I'm excited about, one is kind of basic, but I do think it's made our jobs and our lives a little bit easier or some of the collaboration tools that we were forced mm-hmm. to find when we had to work everything digitally, like all of yeah. a sudden we're virtual. How do you do co-creation sessions yeah. when you're all over the place? I actually think some of those tools, like they saved us one during that timeframe,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but now I can't imagine rolling up a sheet of white paper with a bunch of Post-its on it and <laughs> shoving it in a corner and saying, oh, we need to keep that. Like I would never do that again. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think some of the collaboration tools have just been huge in moving us to, Mm -hmm. uh, and we can include way more people. Like now we can have co creation sessions with so many more people. Like that, I just think is practical, basic, but has been a huge, huge thing for us. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that I'm excited about because I sit with digital and physical design and the research team, Mm -hmm. we've been able to get really creative about how we test some of our design prototypes and specifically for physical, because what we used to do is we'd build it or we would mock it up and Mm -hmm. then we'd bring customers in and see how they interact with it. As you can imagine, that is really expensive and it takes way too much time. And so with, with augmented reality, what we've been able to do now is we can, you know, create something in an augmented way and still have really great customer feedback. And I think that's pretty huge. You can test and try a lot of different concepts before you ever build anything uh, to see how it works for a customer, uh, which is really exciting.
1: And from an augmented reality perspective, Jenny, are you saying, hey, we've got a product, could be stereo, could be a TV. I want to use um, AR to like visualize that on my wall or... Yeah, in some yep, other we way? do that too. Cool. Well,
2: what I'm specifically talking about is let's say we're going to change a store format. Um, mm-hmm. We're doing a lot of testing around, you know, what's the right type of store? What's the right kind of experience? Mm-hmm. And so instead of mocking it up in a prototype room, we can actually create it, create a virtual example of what we're talking about, and have customers explore that virtually and tell mm-hmm. us, what do you think about this? whatever X, Y, Z experience yeah. that we've made and get insights from them that way. And to what you are talking about, we absolutely are using AR. Yeah. Like we have a, a whole AR tool in the app that allows you to test different refrigerators in your kitchen, which is super important because if you yeah. order the wrong fridge size bill and we deliver it to you, it's a terrible experience for you and us. Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure.
1: And you don't want you know, to return. No, we want you to get general. that right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, you know, co- that increases your cost to serve. Yeah. It doesn't create a great well, experience for, for you. Customer. Yeah, yeah, under absolutely. I love that. I mean, I remember in this years, years ago, we were creating bank branches with Legos, right? Yeah. Um, and we were kind of testing those out. We create these like huge Lego branches and say, okay, here's the new experience. Here's how the flow works. Um, I love it. I love that you now do it digitally. That makes way more sense, by the way. <laughs> Let's talk about culture a little bit. If we switch gears, you know, not every CX leader looks at themselves as an influencer of culture broadly across an organization hmm. outside of like their immediate kind of scope. How do you approach or think about your role and its ability to drive culture change and be a much more sort of customer led organization? I know you guys went through a huge transformation a couple yeah. years back. I mean, huge story. I think it was HBR, if memory serves me right. Yeah. And obviously a lot of change there. How have you seen maybe the work that you and the team do? Really transform the way people think about the customer and their yeah. role in creating the experience.
2: Oh, such a complex, layered question. I know there's um, a lot there. It's a
1: grenade over first the first.
2: Yeah, exactly. First of all, I think culture is borderline impossible to change, and yet I think to be successful in transformative work you have to change it. You have mm. to kind of pull it along. Mm. And so you don't have a choice. I think there's a handful of things that we tried to do to move, move the culture. It, the first one is super practical. You've got to have tools, just mm-hmm. simple tools that people can use. I'll give you the example that we did. We, we had something called customer-led questions And we plastered them. In fact, I have them behind me here on my wall. We plastered them everywhere in the office, in conference rooms, uh, wherever. And they were basically like, what need are you solving? And how do you know? Those are not hard questions, but they are like simple prompts for every conversation. So we started with something like that. You have to have not just leadership alignment. That's absolutely important. Not Mm -hmm. just leadership support but leadership role modeling. And so you need the executive level leaders, your CEO, your CFO, your merchants, you need all of them using their platforms because they have them, right? Like they're the Mm -hmm. ones doing the big town halls, they're talking Mm -hmm. to all the employees. You need them to leverage their platform to talk about how important customer experience is why it's important to center around the customer. And then you need Mm -hmm. them role modeling that behavior. You need them asking the question of, is this really solving the need for our customer? Is this the right experience? Like, have we thought about the experience? And I feel like we're really fortunate because our executive leaders um, and specifically Corey Berry does that. She Mm. centers conversations around that. And I don't think you truly change the culture without that. And then I think the last thing that I I would call out is you need education and training because to your point earlier around all the different language and Mm -hmm. who's really thinking about it fully, people don't do what they don't know. And so if you want them to change their behavior and think differently, you've got to create ways for them to learn and understand and sort of absorb what you're talking about. And that mm-hmm. that takes some effort, and I'm guessing that's probably something that a lot of places skip over. And so I think those are some of the key foundational elements to driving those behavior changes in the culture.
1: Yeah, the one thing that I see a lot of companies miss on is this, and maybe the best way to call it out is just like a broader like change management agenda. Obviously yeah. training is a huge totally. part of that, right? Yeah. But you are, you know, someone recently said, "People aren't afraid of change; they're afraid of being changed." And I was like, "Well, that's pretty deep. That was pretty good." <laughs> that's
2: so interesting. More, yeah.
1: I, I think people are generally afraid of change, more around sort of, you know, again, I, how does this impact me, et cetera. But yeah, but if you're not helping people understand and you know what that change is, and you're training them on that change. Yep. You're absolutely right. You're never going to get the, the level of commitment or long-term sustainability of that change, obviously, over time. Yep. So You have to disrupt
2: the patterns and the behaviors, yeah. and you can't do that if they don't know what they should be
1: doing. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Can you talk to us a little bit, Jenny, about the CXO role? I mean, chief experience officers is a role, let's say, in the last couple of years has really come to the fore. Even while sort of the role has become sort of a thing, I feel like, in a C-suite almost <laughs> yeah. now, and, and a lot of organizations have put into place. How do you see the CXO role kind of from where you are? And, you know, what do you wish for that leader?
2: Yeah, I think it's really important today. And the reason I say that is I think you have to have an executive at the table, mm. being, not just being the voice of the customer, absolutely doing that. But also being the voice of the customer practitioners in your organization, because it requires funding, resources, decision trade off around yeah. you know what you're going to prioritize, what you're not going to prioritize, and so you have to have sort of that those teeth and that like leverage at the table to mm-hmm. be able to counterbalance other points of view that might be there. Uh, so today, I think it's really important. And I think what I see potentially happening over time is that more of the leaders are sponsors of the customer. And Mm -hmm. so then you maybe need some of that less. I think you'll always have some type of customer officer, marketing officer, something like that Mm -hmm. at the table. But what I'd love to ideally see is that you've got you know chief operators chief merchants chief finance officers mm-hmm. also asking the question around is this really solving the need for the customer is this mm-hmm. really our best foot forward in the experience much like all executives have a fiduciary responsibility they all have a responsibility to the customer and so yeah. i you know i think we're seeing that transformation here at Best Buy and it's really exciting and i think to me, that's like, that's the evolution. When everybody owns responsibility for the customer, that's when you really start to make a difference.
1: For sure. That goes back to the point around culture as well, right? And totally. your know, point around yep. leadership playing such an important role in all that, not just from a support perspective, but really living and acting out yeah. sort of that uh, in a way. What are your thoughts on the future of CX? Like, Where do you see the discipline maybe going more broadly? Do you think that, similar to maybe that that CXO where you have other C-suite leaders, it's more embedded in their day-to-day? Do you, see, do you see sort of customer being more embedded into the operations of the organization, not just sort of, you know, the customer facing folks? Obviously, they need to be flexing that muscle all the time. Do you see a need for a CX team in the future? I know this is a tough one because you run a CX team, so I'm, yeah. I don't want you to. Don't say anything like that's gonna your your employees will listen. To I this don't and want say, to work what do you myself out a of a job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I need a job, right? You got a family. You got to pay the bills. I personally don't think that we will ever get to a place where a formalized customer experience team and function and discipline isn't needed. But
2: yeah, curious
1: to see like how do you see it evolving over time?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's some really distinct skills that experience design, customer design leaders mm-hmm. bring to the work facilitation actually designing these there's so much like so yeah. yes I agree like it is a, a very valued and I think a skill set that we'll need into the future maybe even more so what I do think is interesting and we've been you know testing and trying all of this is this idea of how do you take someone who's maniacally focused on the customer and have them almost embedded within those operational teams. Mm-hmm. And that's been a huge unlock for us because, it again, it's like kind of got a person in there with a seat at the table helping other leaders think strategically. And Mm -hmm. while they're doing that, those other leaders are starting to learn what that means to be customer centered and to use human centered design principles Mm -hmm. through their decision making. And so I don't, you know, I don't know that you would ever completely break apart the teams, but I do think that there's a model, especially in matrixed organizations where you've got people who are embedded and acting as if they're part of a mm-hmm. team that might be delivering a, a value proposition to the customer. And that, um,
1: is that something you guys have done today or starting to play? Yes.
2: Yep. We're trying, yeah. you know, we have a couple like different iterations of it, but essentially that is you know, kind of how we operate today with some strategists that are are pretty closely embedded with the business teams, and then our our digital designers are really embedded with the digital product teams. Mm-hmm. So that you know, you, you kind of end up with multiple teams that you're part of, but I think that's okay. Like you you got a team you come back to, and you're like, okay, this yeah. is maybe my home base with my other design friends, but then you're going out and sort of bringing that uh, experience of design to other people, which I think mm-hmm. is super powerful.
1: Absolutely. One other
2: thing, yeah. we talked about it a little bit earlier when you were saying like, what X are you? Like, which one of these yeah. are you? I do think one evolution that we'll have to make, and I say we, like all, all design thought leaders, we can't be too precious about what we do. Like, it's not it's not an us or them thing. Like yeah. my way of doing it isn't better than someone else's yeah. way of doing it. And I think We'll have to be careful of that because if we start to get really precious about like design thinking is the only way, it's so alienating, and we we really got to bring people in. Like mm. I want to know what our operational leaders think. They are super close to how mm-hmm. it works. Like mm-hmm. they've got awesome insights, so bring them in. Um, I think we'll have to be kind of we have to be careful of that as we continue to build these teams.
1: I love that point. That's so important. I, I in past lives I've seen design thinking team members say no we're, we have to do a three-day workshop that's the way right. that's the, that's the process the and only i'm like way. well you know can you flex on that a little bit because you know getting yep. executives in a room for three full days is not ideal right and you know could you use the toolkit or could you marry the toolkit that you have with something a little bit more over there right so i yeah. love and i love that you call it don't be so precious that's just perfect but you're 100% right. Like, at the end of the day, we have a toolkit. We should be able to flex with that toolkit to the needs yeah, of our yep. internal customers, right? And, you know, sometimes good enough is the right level of solution, totally. too. Right?
2: Right. Um, the fidelity can go up and down on, depending on what you're doing and what work you're, you're focused on. I totally agree.
1: Absolutely. All right. I've got uh, just a couple more questions for you, Jenny. I know it's a Friday afternoon and, awesome. you know, you've got, you're busy, you got work to do. I love asking this question because the, the responses are super varied. Where do you go for inspiration?
2: Huh? Okay. Well, I tend to look at other brands and see what they're doing. I get very inspired by what other brands are doing and not necessarily retail brands, but just other brands in general. And I love bringing those examples to other things I'm doing because they're Mm -hmm. so tangible. Mm
1: -hmm. So that's
2: one place I get inspiration. Another is less about inspiration and just more where I can do creative thinking. And this is going to sound maybe kind of silly, but it's going on walks. I mean, literally like getting out of my house or getting out of the office and being outside one, I think nature is like such a rejuvenator, but going for a walk for some reason unlocks my head and I can hash through so many problems that way be so much more creative when I'm doing that. And so I use a lot of like walking time to do, to do thinking.
1: I do the same. I get my best ideas when I'm driving.
2: Right, as
1: it's well. weird. You know, you're, you're, you're kind of like on autopilot a little bit, right? Like yeah. Everybody can walk, right? But you've got a lot to think about. But for me, the connection of ideas comes when I'm driving. I'm really excited. We're going on vacation a couple of weeks and we're driving South and it's like a six hour drive. You're going to have
2: so much time.
1: I'm going to have so much to think about. Like I love it. I'm super quiet. I'm super quiet when I'm in the car and uh, probably drives my wife and my family crazy. Like, just please talk to your family. Um, (laughs) I don't know how you're going to do that with
2: a (laughs) four-year-old.
1: Well, I've got a nine, a seven and a four-year-old and uh, you know, they'll entertain
2: each other. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: No. and, And they've got their, iPads and stuff like that, that we bought for real <laughs> yeah, trips, right, exactly. so they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty quiet. Which we bought from Best Buy, by the way. All right, I've got one final question for you, and this is by no means me being lazy as a podcast host, but I, <laughs> I, I've just started doing this, so I'm really curious to see how it's going to work out, and people will play along. You do not know who my next guest is. Okay. I will not divulge who, the, who you are to my next guest but what is one question Ooh. I should ask my next guest?
2: Ooh, I like this, okay. Well, I think one thing that would be super interesting to understand, and we covered some of this today, but like, what are the roadblocks? What, what, what are the roadblocks that keep companies, brands from really centering and making decisions that are truly in the best interest of the customer?
1: It's a great question. Because we're all facing
2: question. them. So like, Absolutely. we can all like commiserate together. <laughs> Learn
1: from each other. I will tell you that my next guest is a customer experience leader who has an incredible pedigree at major brands like you, is writing a book on customer obsession to truly define it. Cool. Yeah. So okay. off camera. Well, off, I will when we check when it we, out. When we stop recording, I'll tell you who it is. Um, <laughs> but uh, Jenny, thank you so much for coming to the show. This has been an awesome conversation. I'm so glad that you agreed to come on and you know, just share your perspective and your knowledge. And I know our listeners are going to love this. Thank you so much.
2: I, I thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. All right, everybody. Another great show. Jenny Weber, Senior Vice President for Design and Insights at Best Buy. If you don't know who Best Buy is, go check them out. Delivering great experiences online in store. Another great show. We're out. Talk to you soon, Thanks everyone. for
0: listening to Be Customer Led with Bill Stakos. We are grateful to our audience for the gift of their time. Be sure to visit us at becustomerled.com for more episodes. Leave us feedback on how we're doing or tell us what you want to hear more about. Until next time, we're out.